What's up, guys? This is Brandon Christensen, the co-writer and director of Stillborn NC, and you're listening to the Horror Squad podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Horror Squad podcast, episode 150. Uh, I am Joe, of course. I will be hosting tonight. Todd, unfortunately, is feeling under the weather, so feel better, Todd. Maybe a little too much turkey yesterday. I don't know for sure, but happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, as uh, this is our Black Friday episode. Um, Steve, Sam, how are you guys doing tonight? Good. Stuffed from mashed potatoes and white gravy. <laughs> I will be though. <laughs> yeah. uh, not not the same for me. Not not Thanksgiving for me. So, uh, but you know, I got my shot in October, and look forward to hearing uh, what you guys ate next week and what you guys did for Thanksgiving. Did you guys have like, uh, I guess, with COVID and everything, is it you have to like change the plans or is it pretty much normal? I mean, they're telling everyone to like, you know, stay home, obviously, and whatnot. Um, we're just going to a small gathering with um, my family. Oh, very cool. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Try, trying to keep it safe, you know. Right. Well, we shall see. Um, oh, I, I don't even think I mentioned. Um, don't forget to stay to the end of the episode as we have a direct uh, interview with the director of Z, Brandon Christensen. Um, we talked a lot of Z and also his other movie, Stillborn which uh, I'm going to talk about on my what watch tonight. So uh, yeah, great interview. Stay tuned. And uh, yeah, I guess let's jump right into questions, Steve. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, you can ask us those questions on social media at the Horror Squad Podcast or send us an email at the Horror Squad Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we've got a few questions here this week, starting off over on Instagram. First one comes to us from Weezerface. She says, what kind genre of horror movies do you hope to see more of in the new year? Personally, I'd like to see more religious horror that isn't Christian. Ooh, interesting. So like what other? Well, any, any genre that you feel we need more of that we haven't had in, I guess, in the last year. Zombies. No. <laughs> Just kidding, obviously. <laughs> um, that's a good one. Um. I can never have too many home invasion movies, so mm-hmm. especially like since everyone's at home because of COVID, It'd be yes. an interesting twist, I guess. Sure, I'd like to see more cult movies. I love cult movies, and uh, you get a sprinkling of them, but I would like to see a lot more. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I agree with her. I'd love to see uh, religious horror. It's one of my favorite subgenres. And yeah. I think that isn't Christian would be interesting because I do feel that they hit Christianity a lot, but to see other religions, versions of horror films would be really cool. Um, outside of that, though, I think we're due for some like really cool slashers, uh, you know, at least some new ones. I mean, I know we're going to get some slasher movies in 2021 because of the ones that were supposed to come out this year. You know, we got Scream, we got uh, Halloween, we got a bunch of stuff like that. But I'd really like to see a new kind of slasher icon rice and i think that would be really cool it's been a while yeah 
Yeah, I think I think next year is going to be their slasher resurgence. Like you said, we got Scream, we got Halloween, you got Candyman, uh, Terrifier, Terrifier, you got the new uh, Leatherface uh, coming out. So, yeah, a ton of slasher movies and a ton of like classic slashers that are coming back. So, yeah, we shall definitely see. Uh, do you think Terrifier is the new? Are you we, are you calling? Are we considering him an icon? I, I guess he is, right? Like at this I point. Mean, uh... You know, I, it's, I don't know. Um, I, icons I feel, may be a little strong, but I feel he's an icon because of a lack of icons. You know, yeah, it's it's more by circumstance than actually kind of deserving that title. But Terrifier right. two, I think if it's good, he can hit that iconic stature. That's a yeah. big, you know. I don't know. So, <laughs> what do you think, Sam? Um, I mean, I I don't know. I feel like I've mentioned this before like I don't see him as an icon just yet I mean I think I will eventually but I think that's just my own personal preference but if people feel that way then more power to them yeah I mean I think like the movie wasn't great or anything like that but he is a really cool character um and man I gotta say the the fans have really taken a loving to him so I mean I think the fans have kind of crowned him as a new icon i mean we shall see i mean he's kind of the it guy right now well i mean if he sticks with it for the next you know few years and the fans still embrace and love him i mean then yeah i guess he will be our new uh you know horror icon yeah it's, it's not really the amount of films either because i mean right. I, think, I don't think anyone would say that pennywise is not an icon but right. up until recently he only had one film <laughs> he's yep. still considered an icon so i guess it really depends on what like you said what you know the fans uh, feel and yeah i think he's getting there and i think a lot of it is because of uh, david howard thornton going to a lot of cons a lot of yeah. times in character he does a lot of social media and i think he's helping push his iconic stature a lot using a definitely that no one else had back then right so yeah that's a big part of it as well Absolutely. Uh, all right. And she also asked, as a side to the same question, uh, what do you hope to see less of in 2021? <laughs> zombies. <laughs> there, there weren't that many zombie movies in 2020. No, there weren't. There weren't. I'm just so <laughs> tired of them. Um, yeah, I don't know. And there were some good zombie movies this year, right? I mean, I haven't seen a live yet, but I know you loved it. Yeah, it's, it's actually in my top five. So yeah. the fact that there's a zombie film in my top five means... Right. And yummy. And yummy. That's in my top 10 as well. So, I mean, yeah. zombie films are not dead, you know, they're, no, they're still no. life in them if you do something unique with them. Totally. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I, there's nothing like I like completely despise. I'll give it. If there's a good story there, I'll watch it. So. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Sam? Is there anything you're tired of seeing in 2020? <laughs> Um, can I say, um, I would say child movies, like where the kids are creepy. I'm over it. So you'll be over it after this episode that we review a film about a child that's creepy. <laughs> he ain't a creepy child though, really. Is he? Well, we'll, we'll talk I about it during the With creepy kids. Yeah. I would consider it a creepy kid movie just because he does get possessed or whatever. Right, right. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. It's just, I, I like, if anyone's going to be creepy, it should be adults just because I feel like that's scarier. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, as for me, there's nothing particularly that I don't want to see. Uh, I, I, I do agree with uh, something Robert Eggers said recently, and that's I'm kind of tired of seeing goats in films. I know, Joe, that, that's your favorite <laughs> subgenre of horror is goats. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think they can put the goats to rest and maybe use kind of their animal. You know, cows need a, a shot that uh, <laughs> I start on yeah. myself. Did Eggers said that in an interview recently? Yeah, so he's, so someone asked him, um, what advice do you give directors uh, if you're going to do anything? And he said, don't work with goats. <laughs> they're not, <laughs> you can't train a goat and they're an no. absolute night- nightmare to work with, so. They're very stubborn. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So that's, uh, I thought that was funny, you know. Maybe Especially... that's why Joe likes them so much. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So uh, other than that, no, there's nothing really that I'm tired of as far as a genre goes. I, you know, every film has its own little thing. And even if it's an overused subgenre like zombies, if the movie is good, then I'm willing to see it. It really doesn't matter. To me personally. Um, next question comes to us from Lil Shabazz. I'm, I think I'm saying that right. Have any of you seen the movie Freaky with Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton? If so, what are your thoughts? Not yet, but I'm excited to give it a watch. Yeah, it's going to be coming out on VOD very soon. So uh, that's actually one maybe we'll cover. I think that'd be a fun one to cover. Yeah, no, for sure. I haven't seen it either, but yeah, that's uh, something I would definitely watch as well. Um, next one comes to us from Chuck. He says, what horror movie would work best as a musical? I think Psycho would be great. Ooh. I saw Evil Dead the musical. Well, me and Sam both did in uh, Vegas. Yeah, that was great. Not in Vegas. Yeah, was I, I saw oh, yeah, you did too, Steve. Cool. Sorry, what did you say, Sam? Oh, no, I was just saying you did too. That's cool. Yeah, I, I saw it at uh, Just for Last Festival in Montreal. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. It was a fun watch. I wish they did that more. But if they were going to do that more, which movie would you like to see as a musical? I'm going to go with Creature from the Black Lagoon. I feel like that could be pretty cool. Oh, I like that. That's fun. Um, I think, oh man, you know what I saw recently that they made into a musical was, um, actually, I'm sorry, it wasn't a musical, but it was just, they turned Misery into a stage play, which I thought was like really interesting. Um, and I'd love to see that. Um, but as far as a musical goes, I'm trying to think of something that would be like somewhat comical that could be fun. So let's go with uh, the Toxic Avenger. Oh, that's a nice one out of left field. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I, I kind of go on that half kind of comedy, half horror. And I'd love to see my favorite horror film come to life as a musical. And that's uh, Dawn of the Dead. I just think it would be yeah. fun to do. So that that would be my pick. Uh, his next question is, what is your best impression? I can do a solid golem from Lord of the Rings and Elmo. <laughs> wow. Elmo? Yeah, <laughs> random. <Wow. laughs> um, I can do a pretty good Kermit the Frog. Joe does a great Kermit the Frog. Yes. All right, let's hear it. Oh, God. You put me on the spot here. All right, hold on. Let me try it. I'm probably going to fail, but we'll try. Hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here. It's so cute. <laughs> That's good. Very Kermit, good. is that you? <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Sam? You do any impressions? I don't think I do. 
Yeah, I'm the same. I'm not a impression type of guy. I wish yeah. I was. That's one talent that I wish I had. Mm-hmm. I feel though, even if I had it, I wouldn't share it with the world. It's something <laughs> that would remain in like, you know, the shower or whatever. Right? <laughs> I love watching those videos on YouTube where one person does a hundred different people. It's super impressive. Eh? It's like, yeah. yeah, I don't know how people do that and can switch in and out so quickly, uh, different impressions. Absolutely crazy. Actually, uh, the same year I saw Evil Dead, the musical, I saw Family Guy Live and Seth MacFarlane. What, they, so they did an episode, a live reading of an episode and watching Seth MacFarlane have scenes with himself was so fucking impressive because he switched yeah. from, uh, you know, Peter Quagmire and uh, Stewie and Brian so quickly. It just seamlessly, it was, it was insane. Mm-hmm. major yeah, I saw yeah. I saw that with uh Rick and Morty uh I went to Boston Comic Con and they did like a live reading of Rick and Morty and watching uh the show creator there is it Dan Harmon is that his name I can't yeah, remember I think so yeah yeah but he did like the Rick and Morty voices together and it was just really amazing to see but are you a fan of that show Steve I am yeah uh, one of my friends got me into it fairly recently uh, yep. when I went over to his place he's like dude he got because he we were big fans of like South Park and Family Guy and stuff like that when we were younger so he's like you gotta see the show so I watched like three four episodes and I was hooked it's so fucking funny yeah yeah I'm sure have you seen the episode with like uh, Scary Terry of course like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's the first one he showed me because he knows my <laughs> right aficionado, so yeah um all right and Chuck's last question is can we bring back horror confessions Ooh. So you guys got one? You guys feel like confessing a little uh, little horror here tonight? God, I don't, but maybe we could bring it back for the the listeners or something. We, we only did it that one time, so. Well, right. I did it a few times. Did we do it a few? Yeah, but Todd hated it, so. <laughs> well, this is your chance. We're Toddless, so. <laughs> you want to you confess something, Sam? Uh no, no, Joe. What have I been complaining about with horror, the horror audience and horror fans lately? Um, yeah, I don't know. I you haven't you've been kind of quiet on that front. I think. <laughs> oh, I got one. Ooh, okay. Yes, Joe, will have to help me out. What's the Michael figure that you just got recently that people weren't happy about his hands? <laughs> oh, uh, the. Uh, Trick or Treat Studios, uh, yeah. twelve inch, Mike one six scale, Michael Myers figure. Yeah. So people were complaining about literally his hands that you can't even see. I don't, I, I don't understand people. What do you want? Get so over conf- it. That's the so new. Your, Get over. Is it. that your your confession? Is you're annoyed with collectors or fan yeah. horror fans? Yeah. Like, horror fans sometimes can be the worst <laughs> they really can every fandom is like that though like, yeah, yeah yeah really deep if you really get into a fandom deep it's they're all terrible <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but like what would you say is is there something that you would be picky like that about steve like i'm trying to think for myself and i'm like i'm not yeah. i won't hear, like talk shit i just won't buy it because I, like, I got one what uh i'm like and maybe i'll sound like an elitist for saying this but i'll very rarely buy a no-name brand i just i don't know what it is you don't want to know about the small businesses 
No, 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 not, not like that. I mean, like going to a grocery store and Oh, buying like generic, like yeah, the generic brands. Yeah, yeah. The, here in Canada, I don't know if it's the same there, but they actually call them No Name. That's the name of the company that makes. Oh, it's um, oh, wow. the, the, the generic brands often. Oh, wow. And here, I, it's usually just the supermarket like name. Just generic. Like, yeah. Is the, like that's the gen- store name? It's like we call them store name brands. Like if it's a stop and shop, it's the stop and shop. Okay, brand. right. If it's market yeah, right. Basket, it's mm-hmm. the market basket brand. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And like, it, let's say we take Oreos for example, just as an example. Oh yeah. You I could, could you could that. literally package the same Oreos and put one in no name, one in Oreo, and I'd be like, fuck, I, I have to buy the Oreo. You know, it's just it's psychological. I know it is, but that's just you know, that's how I feel about Claritin, like um, the Loratadine. I think that's what the name of the medication is i can't buy this generic brand i have to buy the claritin brand because there's a difference even though they say there's really not but in my mind there is yeah no i i told i spent yeah with, with pills it's yeah big time i'm even more so than than food so mm-hmm. food i don't really care mm-hmm um there's a bit of a difference there i i I definitely get that like i would never buy the like uh store brand uh like nyquil or dayquil like i need to buy the 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 uh you know the one by a large pharmaceutical company (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly i need i need that poison they feed you (laughs) right so bringing it back to horror now that we had our food uh, discussion of the week (laughs) uh you got any confessions there joe uh i don't think so just that i don't know just like whenever i read through like forums and horror groups like us just discussing sometimes like horror fans can just be the worst like they're just can be so judgmental sometimes like over like like i i really can't stand when like something like new is coming out like a remake or something and they're like like automatically like it's just like judge it's judged automatically before it's even seen and it just that that really gets under my skin yeah no i I totally get it like purists you know because it's older then automatically it's better um that's not the case at all i think in some films so um yeah there's just age to me doesn't determine what's a better movie you know but that's me personally but i know people who will never admit that, you know, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre or the new Nightmare on Elm Street or the new Friday the 13th can be better than anything that came before. You know, in some cases, I feel that way. Like Nightmare on Elm Street definitely wasn't close to, you know, the originals. Right. But, you know, I think I at least watched it and made my own decision on it, you know. Yep. And I hate the argument that all new horror movies suck. That, that's ridiculous. Like, it's so, yeah. And like the 80s was... Yeah, sure. The 80s like was a golden age of horror, obviously. But you know what? There was a lot of bullshit that came out in the 80s, too. There was a lot of trash. And I mean, there's a lot of great horror movies coming out like every year. So people that say like all new horror movies suck or they're not scary. Like Newsflash, a horror movie doesn't need to be scary to be good either. Like I hate that argument that like a horror movie has to be scary. Because there's a lot of horror movies out there that aren't sca- quote, quote unquote scary, but they're still fantastic movies. So, 
Yeah, I mean, they don't. Yeah, I don't think scares is the only emotion that these movies should elicit out of you. I mean, there's a ton of different, uh, you know, like Saw, for example. I don't think it's scary. It's gory. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's interesting, but it's not scary, and it doesn't need to be because it's its own thing. And yeah, I totally agree with that. I think I think that gives a good overview of our thoughts on. Uh, uh, but yeah, maybe we'll bring it back one episode as a one-time return and get everyone's thoughts on it and have us like actually think of something specific from a horror film. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question comes to us from horror fan, Ryan. He says it's Thanksgiving week. Do you have any favorite Thanksgiving day horror and non horror movies? Well, um, I think we talked about this last week a little bit, but I was a big fan of Pilgrim. I know I'm the only one on the show that liked it, but I would recommend Pilgrim if you're looking for a Thanksgiving horror movie. Um, and you can never go wrong with Blood Rage, obviously, which I think is like the probably the ultimate Thanksgiving horror movie. Um, that's actually pretty good because I mean, obviously, you can throw out like Thanksgiving, but like that's not, nothing you could take too seriously. Whereas, you know, Blood Rage is pretty solid, uh, slasher. Yeah, Blood Rage is my favorite by far. I mean, there, there aren't a ton, like you said, but I, I didn't see uh, the other one because I didn't ha- it's not available in Canada. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah uh so you know blood rage is really the only choice i got because thanksgiving i mean they're a little fun but they're not nothing i would like recommend or anything and in fact if it wasn't tied to a holiday i think it would be forgotten pretty quickly oh yeah probably yeah <laughs> what about non-horror so i'll go to you sam first you have any non-horror uh thanks thanksgiving movies that you have to see thanksgiving um I mean, with the theme Thanksgiving, I'm trying to think. Nothing really comes we to. We're just talking about it today. What? Planes, trains, and automobiles. Well, I feel like we mentioned that last week. Yeah, I think we did. Um, yeah, that one for sure is a good one. And then, obviously, um, the Thanksgiving parade. I know that they're still going to do it, just without the audience. Um, so that'd be interesting to watch. And then I like to watch um, like Saturday Night Live episodes, like Christmas and Thanksgiving ones. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, for me, if to add on to that, I really like the Garfield Thanksgiving episode. Oh. Uh, I, I think it's a cool bonding moment with uh, the grandmother, uh, just because that's something I used to do when I was a kid is uh, go to my grandmother's house and like prepare the turkey and everything with her. So that's why that is, I guess, special to me. And outside of that, I do like Thanksgiving episodes on sitcoms. You know, we go back to the Halloween thing that we talked about. A lot of the sitcoms have also some good Thanksgiving ones. So I enjoy those as well. Are there like other Thanksgiving? I like can't think of like any movies set around Thanksgiving though, really. Yeah, so for such a big holiday, yeah, it really isn't much. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's uh, one of those things. I'm surprised there aren't we. I, I think I mentioned this last year too. Where are the Black Friday uh, movies? That that's such an yeah. easy horror film, but that's. I think we'll see one eventually, sooner rather than later. Yeah, but I look forward to those videos. <laughs> I mean, it might, might oh, not yeah. be, actually probably won't be like that this year, unfortunately. No, yeah, probably not. I mean, well, I would. There'll there'll be some, I'm sure, but it won't be as crazy as years past. Yeah, that, that, that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, yeah. So oh, here's one for a Thanksgiving movie, by the way. Sort of. Uh, Adam's Family Values. You get the Thanksgiving oh, yeah. scene there. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was, uh, did you like Adam's Family Values? 
I did. Yeah, I did. I like them both. What about you, Sam? Did you like that one? Yeah, I did. You weren't a fan? No, I liked it. No, I said I liked it. Oh, Steve. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I liked it too. I, I, yeah, I think I liked the first one better, but it definitely had uh, some interesting moments in the second one there. Um, and our final question comes to us from Mandy. She says, please recommend a horror movie that starts with the letter Y. Wow, we're almost at the end. Yeah, this is it. How <laughs> sad. Yeah, I told her to come up with something new for uh, <laughs> for after, but I don't know. I don't know if she will. I think Mandy should like rank like her top three out of the alphabet recommendations she got. Ooh. I'll ask. I'll ask for that. Well, she'll listen to this, so just <laughs> just do it, Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> what about why? As I Google it, because I, I, know, I was like, I'm too tired to Google it. You guys tell me. <laughs> um, you're next. I was a fan of that one. I don't know. I think Todd's your next. Yeah, it's a good one. I know Todd's not a fan of that one, but I really enjoyed that one. Um, yeah, I'm looking through right now. I'm not seeing much else. I'll tell you one not to watch Yoga Hosers because that movie's a bunch of garbage. <laughs> God, that movie's terrible. It's just so bad. Yeah. Uh, one also that I, I thought was really terrible was uh, You Can't Kill Stephen King just oh, awful i never saw it but yeah yeah it's definitely up there in the uh bad category oh here's one uh that we talked about this year uh yummy oh there you go yeah that's it that was great so yeah yummy's a great one i think is that one on shutter uh yeah it is yeah definitely watch that one it's it's in my top 10 for sure. And I think it's in Stephen Todd's as well. So. Yeah, I, I think so. And uh, another one from this year is You Should Have Left. I personally didn't like it, but... Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Pass. Was, Sam, was it you that liked it? I know someone who liked it. Which one? You Should Have Left. The one with Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried. Uh, I'm trying to remember if I did like that or not. Um... I don't think... I thought we both were like, eh, it was okay at best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I don't remember right off the top of my head, I must have not been too crazy about it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was Mandy that told me that uh, she liked it. But anyway, I, I personally didn't. It's, def- it's not my bottom five or anything, but definitely not near the top either. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good. I mean, there's why is not a great... Uh, <laughs> No, a great letter. The, the last there few weeks I've been lacking a little bit, to be honest. There with you. won't be much for next week either. So, no, except tonight's movie. Z. Yeah, tonight's yeah. movie Z. Yeah, is going to be in there. But uh, yeah, so thank you everyone for asking the questions. We can't do this uh, uh, segment without you. We really appreciate. It. And now a word from Deadly Grounds Coffee. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Alrighty. So uh, let's do some What Watched. Uh, Sam, you got anything this week? Uh, I don't think so. No? Okay. Steven? 
yeah, I, I got a few. So you guys, uh, does anyone call you Stephen? Uh, my mom when she's mad. <laughs> That's basically it. Uh, yeah, almost everyone calls me Steve. Uh, so I was a little bit in the uh, festive mood this week. So I started a series of Christmas horror films. Uh, so the first one I'm going to talk to you about is All the Creatures Were Stirring. So this is a anthology film, uh, all obviously set around Christmas. It's just a kind of really bizarre collection of stories, including one where they're at an office building and they're playing that uh, that stupid game there where you have to either keep the gift or like steal it and all that stuff, which I hate. Never have I played that game successfully at any office party ever. It always ends up in some kind of fucking drama or fight or... Uh, have you guys ever played that game? What game is it? The, the one where it's like, uh, I think it's like Secret Santa, but you could like steal the gift and- Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 We call it a uh, Yankee Swap. Okay. No, I don't. I call it. That's my gift, fool. <laughs> I think other people call it like blue whale or white whale or something like oh that. My gosh, white elephant, Joe. White elephant. Yeah. Why do you call it Yankee Swap? I think it's like a New England, like a since we're like Northeast, like thing. Maybe Yankees. You know. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> I, th I think that's what is that what they called it on the office episode where they did that? I think so. Did they call it a Yankee swap? I think so. Possibly. I mean, the Pennsylvania Northeast area. So, yeah. Right. And that didn't go well either because this game never fucking goes no, well. No, it didn't. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, so yeah, there's a bunch of like uh, short stories. One of them is about last minute shopping. There's another one about this like demon circle that people have to stay within the circle with a demon or try to recruit people to take their place uh it's not very good uh i i just watched it because i like the poster which is unfortunately how i pick a lot of my christmas horror movies because there aren't a ton of them that are great unfortunately so i've been kind of trying to look for lesser known or uh kind of smaller budget uh, indie horror, christmas horror films so if you're going to watch any this one's definitely to avoid all the creatures were stirring yeah, I've always wanted to check that one out, but I've never heard great things about it. So, uh, have you guys heard? I think maybe this could be a fun one to cover um, for our Christmas episode or something. Because I was just telling Sam about it. There's a horror anthology that just came out called Death December, and it's um, like really? it's like 25 short horror movies. 25. Yeah. Dude, they must be really short. It's like, well, yeah, it's like a. I think the movie's like a little over two hours. Jeez. Yeah, that, that'd be cool. It's, it's, it's easy when it's little anthologies like that because it just goes by quicker. Yeah, could be a, that could be a fun one to do. I know there's sure. like a bunch of uh, like indie horror actors in it and stuff, so possibly. But all right, uh, my first one tonight is um, from the Quibi TV show, uh, 50 States of Fright. Um, wanted to get through these. Um, so uh, this one is from the great state of Colorado and it is called the episode was called red rum. And I was very excited about this one because it's uh, shining related. Um, basically it is about these famous, uh, super famous like vloggers, YouTubers or whatever. They go to um, the Stanley hotel in Colorado to uh, investigate 
the haunted happenings of the Stanley Hotel and The Shining. Um, the whole episode is just like super Shining vibes and whatnot. Um, stars Christine Narici. Um, and basically these, you know, three vlog uh, vloggers, they're super, super annoying. Uh, and basically they start, the ghosts of the Stanley Hotel start to uh, show themselves to uh these vloggers and sinister things start to happen um i really really wanted to love this episode just because it's built all around the shining and it has some fun shining like themes and vibes in it but i gotta say this was one of the weaker episodes of the entire series um it's not terrible but the characters are all just so unlikable and they just got on my nerves so much um and just like the story in general is just a lit the ghosts in the movie uh in the show episode are just so like boring and weak and they just don't give off like sh the ghosts of the shining like you see in the movie and stuff like that so uh yeah overall i was pretty disappointed with this one but still you know worth a, a mild watch cool uh my next one also a holiday film from 2017 i watched it over on tubi and that is mother krampus so in this one uh mother krampus comes around every christmas and snatches children for the 12 days leading up to christmas and kills everyone else in her way uh, as she tries to grab those children um this movie is i mean it's bad but it's not that bad like i expected this one to be a lot worse but the effects are pretty cool. The kills are surprisingly unique and fun. Um, the story itself is a little weak, kind of boring at times. Uh, wasn't really like into it all that much, but it made up for it in uh, the kills and the scenes where Mother Krampus goes after the children. So I would say a mild recommend on this one if you're uh, adventurous enough. And there's actually a sequel, which I'm gonna talk about in my What Watch next week called Mother Krampus 2. So, uh, yeah, that's over on Tubi, Mother Krampus. All right, very cool. Uh, my next one is another one from 50 States of Fright. Um, and this episode was called 13 Steps to Hell, which takes place in the great state of Washington. Uh, this one stars uh, Rory Culkin and also a familiar face uh, that we saw uh, earlier this year, Lulu Wilson. Who played Becky uh, in? Uh, I don't remember what episode. Do we we covered that right? That was like a Becky. Yeah, we covered that as yeah, a right. review. Uh, okay, I thought so. Um, but yeah, so this one is about um, these, uh, you know, really young, I guess, younger kids who go uh, out into the woods to bury their pet. Um, when they basically dig up uh, a port, like a basically a portal to hell, kind of sounds similar if you've ever seen Antrim, uh, same type of idea. And uh, basically, they end up one of the kids ends up going down into the portal, this portal to hell, and sees a bunch of sinister things. Um, this one was uh, very well done, I gotta say, um, really well acted throughout. Um, Rory Culkin is is really good in it i gotta say um as kind of the uh narrator of the show 
uh, and he um, there's a great twist in this one as well, which I do not want to give away, but uh, really creepy vibes throughout and uh, a great episode. Um, one of the better ones of the season. So yeah, check, check this one out for sure. Cool. Uh, and my last one for this week, you can find over on shutter and it is from 2020. It is the uh, creep show animated special. So uh, as you all know, there was a creep show kind of revival over on Shutter this year. And this, so they decided to put up this animated special to kind of tie this over between seasons. Uh, so this is about a one hour episode. There's two stories in it. One of them about is a uh, plane crash survivor who's forced to eat himself to uh, survive. And he talks about being successful in life and how he thinks he can do this and survive. and it's a pretty interesting and gory story, but nothing too special there. Uh, the other one is all about Twitter and being too focused on social media. Uh, this one is about a girl who is in a, on a car ride with her family on a family trip and she tweets too much and she's too focused to social media. She eventually goes to a circus of the dead as a roadside attraction and just a bunch of stuff ensues. And this one's actually the most interesting of the two. Got some really cool visuals. I kind of wish that this was live action and that it in incorporated this story into the actual Creepshow TV show. But I understand budget-wise why they didn't because there is a lot going on. Uh, I would say uh, recommend this one. It's, it's a short experience. If you like Creepshow and short stories, it's pretty cool, especially for like animated horror, which there isn't a ton of out there. So yeah, check it out over on Shutter. Yeah, I definitely want to check that one out, Sam. We'll definitely have to watch that one. I'm, I'm excited for that one. I think there's another one coming out soon, too, isn't there? Like there is, they, they actually tease one at the end of this one. There's going to be a Christmas uh, version of the Very Creepshow. Cool. So, yeah, they actually show, you know how in Creepshow, they pull out of, like, the comic book? Yeah. It shows, like, the pictures of the next two in the series, and they're both Christmas. So cool. there's, like, a, a tease for that. So I thought that was neat. Awesome. Uh, all right. My final one tonight uh, in honor of uh, our interview with Brandon Christensen, uh, who directed uh, the movie we're doing tonight, Z, I decided to go and watch his uh, first movie, which was from 2017 called Stillborn. Uh, Stillborn is about a um, a woman named Mary who gives birth to twins. Um, and unfortunately, one of the chi uh, child children dies during uh, childbirth. Um, not a spoiler there as it happens like at the very, very beginning of the movie. Um, and uh, throughout the remainder of the movie, basically, we see uh, Mary um, raising her new son, Adam, with her husband, but also still struggling with um, the death of her um, other child. Um, and uh, basically, while she's raising this kid, weird stuff starts to happen uh, in uh, her new home they moved into. Um, she starts seeing, um, she starts basically hallucinating. She starts seeing um, basically this like witch demon um, lady um, continuously, um, you know, inside the baby's uh, room. Or she starts hearing um, this, you know, voice and whatnot, and she's convinced that this demon entity is trying to steal her baby. And um, 
you know, throughout the movie, we're trying to figure out whether Mary has just gone crazy or she's suffering from, you know, postpartum depression uh, or if this entity demon is real. Um, and I got to say, I, uh, I really, really enjoyed this one. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm actually really excited. Like after, you know, we're going to talk about Z later, but uh, I think Brandon Christian is a good up and coming director and I'm excited to see what he does next. Um, but yeah, I would, I would highly, this one's like actually a, a high recommend. I, I really enjoyed this. I think the scares are very effective. It's a good story. Um, it is indie horror. So there are some, you know, it's not po- completely polished. There are some, you know, imperfections here and there, but overall, I think it's really well done and a really good performance by, uh, Christy Burke, the lead actress. And, uh, yeah, I would definitely uh, check this one out. All right. We're going to get into some news. Sure. Yeah. There's not a ton of, I don't have a ton of horror news tonight. It was kind of a slow horror news week, but I guess let's start it off with the biggest news of the week as Robert England, Freddy Krueger himself, ladies and gentlemen, has been announced to join season four of Stranger Things. Yes. Um, so that, I mean, that's very, very exciting news um, to see, you know, a horror icon like Robert England joining a very popular show. I, I hope that, you know, maybe younger audiences will kind of be like, Oh, who's this guy? And, you know, maybe see that he played Fred, you know, maybe go back and watch those old nightmare on Elm street movies. Uh, but uh, Robert England will play the recurring role of Victor Creel, a disturbed and intimidating man who is imprisoned in a psychiatric hospital for a gruesome murder in the 1950s. So uh, yes, yeah, stranger things season four uh, is currently filming and um, I'm not exactly sure when it will be released, but I'm sure sometime next year. But uh, yeah, what do you what do you guys think of this? Is this uh, a good casting choice? Uh, I mean, I don't. Um, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, like it, it's cool to have Robert England in it. I do hope it's a short uh, scene or at least more of a cameo, because I mean, horror confession. I don't think he's that great of an actor. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, Freddy, obviously amazing and iconic, but outside of A Nightmare on Elm Street, not my favorite, I got to say. So uh, hopefully it's a short scene, more of a cameo, yeah. but yeah, no more than that. That's all I see when I see his face is just Freddy, unfortunately. Yeah. No, for- fortunately, because his other films are <laughs> not, not the, not the yeah. greatest. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, agreed. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a cool casting choice. Um, you know, I know the Duffer brothers um, are big horror fans, and it's good to see you know them pumping some, uh, you know, nostalgia, horror nostalgia into uh, this show. Uh, all right, next bit of news here is some Scream Five news. As the movie has officially been titled, it was rumored, of course. Um, for a long time what Scream 5 was going to be called Um, and uh, I really want to hear you guys' take on this as Scream 5 has officially been titled Scream 
Yes. Uh, so, I mean, I guess this is kind of going back to the harping of Halloween. Uh, of course, the new Hall- the Halloween 2018 movie was called Halloween. And now we have Scream 5 being titled Scream. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think of this one? The one friggin' series that had a perfect numbered sequence is now ruined. <laughs> right, and, it, and it's all in canon, too. Like, I That's can understand right. yeah. like, with it's Halloween, but... <laughs> right, if it was a reboot or uh, something like that, then I get it. But this being canon, now you're just doing it to piss us off, you know, as, as like, <laughs> Blu-ray or DVD collectors and all that stuff. It's, it's just a... It's just unsightly, you know? You, you, want, you want a nice, clean one through five. Uh, I mean, it's not going to... Obviously, I'm going to go see it, of course, because I love... Uh, the you know where the, was it Radio Silence they're making it? Uh, yes. I love the Scream franchise, so of course I'll see it. But this name, I think it's stupid. I'm just I'm tired of this. I, I just want to see a nice continuous number, and it's just easier that way. Does it matter to you, Sam? Or are you just like whatever? Um, I agree with Steve. Yeah. Well, Scream will be slated for a theatrical release January twenty January fourteenth, two thousand and twenty two. Um, so we shall see. And I am going to try very hard to get um, the directors back on the show. Of course, we had them on for Ready or Not. And I'm going to try my damnedest to get them back on uh, to talk Scream. And uh, fingers crossed we can, we can get them again. Hopefully they haven't gotten too big for us now. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> we, we caught them early when they were still uh, you know, rising. But this, is, this might be tougher. But yeah, yeah it's, it's not. I mean... It, it may be, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I do have the in now that I have uh, one of the director's uh, emails, so I'm hoping maybe he he will respond and doesn't forget the little guys now that uh, they're starting to do these big uh, Hollywood movies. However, Ready or Not was a pretty big release, so. It was, yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, at the very least, check out our interview when we did Ready or Not. It's like episode, like, 90-something. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a really, they were really fun guys, and it was a fun interview. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Next bit of news here is some Universal Monsters news as we are going to be getting a new Frankenstein TV series. Yes. Uh, so Deadline is reporting uh, that uh, Studio Stone Village is going to partner um, with Black Box Multimedia on this series, which will be set in Europe. It will focus on the behaviors and obsessions of a scientist exploring the fine thread between life and death, all set against the context of a year in which dependent dependence on scientific breakthroughs has been uh, paramount. Um, so Stone Village was also behind the series Empire Falls, which is a series I'm not familiar with. I don't know if you guys are. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for this, uh, Frankenstein, uh, television series. Um, I think, uh, you know, we haven't had a good, it's been a while since we've gotten like a good Frankenstein adaptation. So I, I think this is a good time for it. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's, it's my favorite of the universal monsters. Uh, it's also my favorite film of the universal monster, uh, like the originals. Uh, there's high, you know, I, I have high, uh, a high bar set for this one. I don't know. It's almost, I don't know why, but I prefer a movie over a TV series for yeah. Frankenstein's monster. I'm not sure why exactly, but you know, hopefully it's good, and you know, I can eat my words. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm a little 
I don't know about this one. Like, I'm a little scared of this one, so we'll see. <laughs> What's your favorite? Do you have a favorite Frankenstein adaptation, Steve? I, li I like the original. Uh, I really okay. do, just because it's so iconic and it's the first one I saw, and it's you know the one that really kind of set the bar for for all of them. But um, yeah, what about you? Um, you know, this is might not be a popular opinion, but I actually really like the one with De Niro. Oh, that's a, yeah. No, I, I can see that. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's very different, but it's, uh, I think it's a, it's a good adaptation uh, of, of the story. Sam, you got a favorite one or? Um, no preference on Frankenstein. Okay. Uh, all right. Next bit of news here is Gremlins 3. Will it happen? Well, uh, Chris Columbus, of course, the uh, the creator of Gremlins, did an interview recently um, in promotion of the animated series that is going to be coming out to Netflix very soon called Gremlins Secret of the Mogwai. Uh, this will mark the return um, of the franchise uh, after more than 30 years. Um, so keep an eye out for that. That'll be fun in its own right. But of course, most fans are clamoring for another live action uh, Gremlins. And obviously Gremlins 3, you know, has been in talks for years upon years. Um, so uh, in the interview, he said, I, I would love to do it. I wrote a script. So there is an existing script. Uh, but currently we're working out some rights issues. So we're just trying to figure out when the best time to make that film would be. Uh, he went on to say, I would still do it the same way. Um, I would use tangible puppets, not CGI. Um, so for now, still kind of seems up in the air. It seems like it's mainly a rights issue right now. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, do you think well, we will ever see another Gremlins movie? I think it has to happen right we'll see it eventually i mean when yeah. whether chris columbus is actually involved or not i'm not sure but yeah. we're definitely gonna see i mean fuck we're, we're seeing like we saw bill and ted three uh encino man apparently is getting a fucking sequel uh, <laughs> you know like uh, i mean hocus pocus is getting a sequel I, I think it's we're in the revival period right now so gremlins is definitely one that has both the nostalgia and the kind of uh you know the it factor to have a sequel at some point but if it's a rights issue that 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 complicates the process so who knows definitely yeah uh, you know i mean yeah i mean look what's going on right now with friday the 13th it's just been right. like an absolute mess and that's why we haven't seen a friday the 13th movie in quite a long time as well um so hopefully these get worked out i'm just like honestly shocked that we haven't seen a new gremlins like it is such a beloved franchise and my God, if it came back, I, I think it would make so much money. Um, not only just like in the box office, but also like in merchandising as well. I mean, because I mean, look at like Baby Yoda, like these like cute little gremlins come out and like people are going to be buying those plushies and everything. So, yeah, I mean, obviously right right now, releasing a movie is you're not going to make a ton of money. Uh, you got to wait for this uh, COVID to kind of die down, but Movies will come back, I'm sure. I mean, do do you think do do you think movies will make a comeback like eventually once COVID, or do you think people are just like oh, I'm not going to go see movies in theaters anymore? I think it's going to be a different landscape. Um, yeah, I, I kind of think so too. I do think movies will come back, but I think they're not going to make the amount of money that they did pre-COVID. Yeah. I think movies are going to have shorter theater runs, 
Yep. So it's going to be something like in the theaters for two, three weeks, and then on VOD, like almost immediately after. Um, yeah. I, I just feel that it's going to change the movie industry in that regard. So. But yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think uh, what was that troll? Was it Trolls? Yeah, World yeah. Tour that made a fucking shitload of money, um, and I think that kind of like made the studios realize like, hey, we can make a ton of money without putting stuff in theaters, and people want to stay home. You know, people like you know watching movies in the comfort of their home, own homes, and I think uh, I don't think the theater will ever fully die, but I, I think they're starting to realize, you know, you know, VOD and uh, streaming services is definitely the way, the way to go now. So just look at uh, Mulan for Disney. Yeah. Uh, So it came out on like Disney premium for a pretty big price. I think it was $30 and it made about, if I remember something like 250 million, right. On a one billion, on a $1 billion budget. And everyone said, well, that's a major flop. Right. But from what disney is saying is like no it's not because by releasing it on disney plus we're 100 profit if you go to the movies you have to pay for the theater yeah. you have to you know all that popcorn shit and everything they don't make a penny of that you know it's really just the small money they make on the movie so really by releasing it on your own platform you profit a lot more you know you, yeah and you need less views so and i think mulan wasn't necessarily like a, a big film people are looking for no. to put something like the adventures on and people oh it. god yeah yeah i was i was or, just gonna or say halloween movie. if you want to take a you know like horror yeah. side to it yeah could you imagine if they put like uh like if halloween kills got released like on shutter or something like that like it would or, break or that you even pay for it like i would have paid 30 bucks for it yeah yeah i think i think most horror fans would you know obviously i, I think the concern though is obviously piracy because like you right. put a movie out and you know there's gonna be a you know copy out there on you know a lot of so you're definitely gonna lose money that way whereas like people aren't gonna watch like shitty cam versions like not as many people are are, like going out and watching those shitty cams but once there's like a a good copy out there people are gonna pirate it so i definitely think that is the concern of these the studios and whatnot but what what they gotta do there's like no go ahead yeah i was just gonna say what, what they need to do is really focus on the piracy and uh really go yeah. after people who pirate movies i know here in canada there was like a few years ago uh the canadian government let the ip address out of people who were pirating on these websites and mm-hmm. all the providers sent letters to those people like we know you're pirating and it could be a fine of up to two hundred fifty thousand if you don't yeah. uh, i don't think they actually went through with any of it but it, i know it scared a lot of people out of pirating uh yeah so they just need to get more serious on the pirating side and then i think movies will come out you know this way more yeah totally totally Uh, all right and uh yeah i think that is it for hard news this week ladies and gentlemen so i guess let's get into our main feature three two one one two three ready or not oh hi mommy Wanna play? A lot of children have imaginary friends. And oftentimes, it's a uh, positive experience. Is there anything we can do to help be less, you know, destructive? You could try playing with them more at home. 
He's a good kid. You know, he's just got a really, I don't know, vivid imagination right now. Josh. Joshua, I am speaking to you. You put our son on medication and didn't tell me? Not seeing what I'm seeing, you don't understand how bad it is. You saw Z, didn't you? He's there with you, isn't he, Bob? Get off the track! I never want to see you again! He saw you too. Ah! I swear, I saw something standing in the corner watching me. using your son to try to reconnect with you. I'll be right out. Good night, G. Uh, Z, directed by Brandon Christensen. Uh, Steve, you want to synopsize this one for us? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, one second. Just let me get the IMDb, which doesn't help at all. Yeah. The IMDb just says, a family finds themselves terrorized by their eight-year-old son's imaginary friend. But that is not a very good description. So basically, uh, in Z, uh, it starts off like that. So uh, this eight-year-old kid has an imaginary friend that he calls Z, and his, his parents start taking notice of it more as of a kind of a jokey. Oh, look, my kid is uh, seeing imaginary people. It's kind of funny because he wants like a, an extra plate put at dinner and stuff like that. Nothing too harmless. Typical kid stuff. He plays around with it. He seems like kind of a loner kid anyway, so it kind of makes sense that he has an imaginary friend. But then he's, uh, the mom starts finding out that he's, he's getting into trouble at school, which seems out of character for him. So that kind of concerns her a little bit. And then she starts noticing that things are happening uh, that this kid is doing to other kids. Uh, there's a one particularly graphic example of that, uh, which I'll talk about once we actually get into the review. So as they start to discover more and more about what's going on, they figure out that uh, Z is actually a demon that's kind of attached to this kid, but there might be more attached to that as to why this demon is attacking this kid, where it comes from, and who it's attacked in the past. But that's all spoilers, so I don't want to get into it. Um, so let's start with Sam. Sam, I'm curious. So what do you think of this film? Um, I don't know. Can someone else go? <laughs> Sure, I'll go. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, I really, uh, I went into this movie pretty blind. I was not, uh, I had no real expectations uh, going into this one. And uh, overall, I uh, I enjoyed this one for sure. Uh, I think obviously it, it has some issues here and there. Um, just like uh, kind of like how I described Stillborn. I mean, it's an indie film, so I think it's not, um, completely polished however um, I think you obviously like with indie films I've said you, you got to give it a little more um, you know some a little more slack however I mean it's it does look very good it trust me it's not like low budget kind of like uh, the special it doesn't look like anything like that um, but yeah overall uh, I definitely dug this one uh, I liked uh, I kind of liked where this one went. Like it, it was almost like two different movies. Like, so like, you know, it started off very, um, I guess, basic cliche movie about, you know, a kid being terrorized by a, um, his imaginary friend. And that's kind of what you thought the whole movie was going to be like. And then you kind of get this little twist here and it, 
kind of goes a completely different way. And um, I think that's when the movie definitely got like more interesting. Um, but yeah, I liked I liked Z. Uh, I liked uh, like how he looked in certain points and stuff like that. I thought he was a cool little character. Um, I do think they could, probably could have did a little more with him. But uh, we talked about it in the interview. I, I think budgetary restraints definitely held it back uh, a little bit. But uh, yeah, overall, I, I like this one. Yeah, and uh, I concur. Without going into spoilers, um, I think it's, like Joe said, it's really two movies. It's really weird how it really starts off with the kid and figuring out what is this thing that he's uh, become a friend to. Is it a demon? Is it just his imagination? That kind of stuff. And then it takes a twist midway through the movie that really goes into a whole new direction, still involving the creature, but attaching to someone else in a really, I thought, clever way. I think the movie is actually pretty scary. There's some really good jump scares in this film. A few of them yeah. that, that got me really well. Uh, I think, like Joe said, the creature is really cool. But I actually disagree with Joe. I think we should have seen less of the creature um, than we did. So we'll talk about it in the spoiler section because there's specific scenes where I'm going to point out as to where I think the creature was effective and where it was maybe too much. Um, I think the psychology of this film is really, uh, really like good because you can kind of picture yourself as the parents, like seeing this kid going through this thing and not knowing what to do. Do you believe the kid? Do you not? It's just this whole thing. And I think it was a solid film. I, I really enjoy it. And I will say this, I saw it twice. I saw it a month ago when I, when Joe told me to watch it and I, I watched it again today for the interview and my opinion changed a little bit on it. So We'll talk about that in the spoiler section, but first I'd like to know what Sam thought. Well, Joe, you saw it twice too? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I saw it like months ago. Do you like it more seeing it the second time? Uh, no, less. Yeah. Me too. Um, so I went into it blindly as well. Um, I thought the main actress, I don't know her name off the top of my head. I thought she did a really good job in acting. Um, I want to say like she carried the whole movie, which is obvious because she's the main character, I think. Um, I did have like some little like picky things about it that kind of just took me out of it. Um, but for the most part, I liked it and I pretty much agree with Joe and Steve. All right. Uh, so Steve, what, uh, what, uh, what changed this time around for you, I guess, on your second watch? So I asked, in regards to my first and second watch, I think knowing where the story was going the second time uh, kind of took away the, I, I think what made this the film strong in the first place was not knowing where the film was going because- Yeah, ag agreed. Uh, the film starts off where Z, the creature, is attached to the little boy, but you eventually find out that Z was actually attached to the mom when she was a kid and eventually transferred to her son. And now he's using her son to try to get back to her because he feels like the character Z wants to be back with the girl that I guess originally had him as a host. But also- How does she completely forget that though? Like, do you just, I guess I, she just rest it? The, the psychiatrist did it, right? Okay. You think he like uh, hypnotized her or something? Kind of, what, what, what'd you say, son? I was like, sometimes you block trauma out of your brain. Like you don't even yeah. know it until something else happens later on in life. And then it kind of 
like resets your memory and you're like oh shit I forgot all about this mm-hmm. but I mean yeah. with the ther- with um the therapist I think it was Joe that just said it like he kind of helped her work through that and so maybe he did something I mean I don't think he hypnotized her I think he just I don't know maybe helped her process that when she was a kid or something mm-hmm. yeah that, that's why I, th- I think it's the therapist that uh, really kind of helped her through it and help her almost like outgrow it mm-hmm. and uh, that's why uh, you know I think she went to him and uh, I actually just a shout out here <laughs> I had never seen a movie with Stephen McCaddy before and yeah I think I've seen five <laughs> like yeah. this year alone so yeah uh yeah anyway so I, he's a great actor so I was happy to yeah. see him but anyway I was gonna say it's uh we've interviewed now two directors this year that, that worked with him <laughs> starring Steve yeah. McCaddy yeah we'll have to come on the podcast next then I, I Steve McCaddy is a great actor I really I really like him yeah he, he is what I, else is he in that like I would know or someone else listening most famously probably Pontypool which is a zombie right. movie or a confession i've never seen that yeah i don't think a lot of people have it it's but it, it has a big cult following yeah i feel like it's pretty popular yeah right and we saw what was it dreamland was the movie dreamland the movie? yeah yeah mm-hmm. we played two, two roles in that movie so yeah very very interesting movie very weird uh but uh yeah that was a uh, bruce mcdonald interview which uh i don't i can't remember what episode but it's it's definitely in the catalog <laughs> yeah exactly and our interview of dreamline our review of dreamline was there as well yeah but uh, anyway yeah so getting back to, to z so uh yeah so like i said it was, it was really like two movies and that twist of z being kind of all into this kid and then all of a sudden really being into uh the mom who almost, almost becomes like a kid again uh, was a really yeah. interesting twist that I really liked. And that transformation between her being the mom and her being the kid was interesting the first time. But knowing that the second time kind of took me a little a bit away from it because I knew the twist. Now that's not the filmmaker's fault. They're not making a movie for you to see it twice uh, necessarily and then enjoy it you know, in the same way twice. But uh, that definitely, in my opinion, maybe made it a little less uh, intriguing. And also what I was getting to before with wanting to see less of the creature, I think there were scenes where uh, just seeing super quick glimpses of the creature was very effective. Uh, Namely when they go to play zone and the kid is up in these like tubes where like kids play and you see the kid kind of pass by in a tube and then you see the demon like kind of fly behind him. Which I Uh, love that scene. Oh yeah, exactly. Super effective scene, you know? Um, and things like that where I thought was very effective or with the eyes sometimes in the uh, closet there was a little bit of a lights out situation going on yeah where she turn on the light and it'd be nothing turns off the light and you see two like white dots and you know on and off on and off turns out it's just two white dots in the in the closet from like some toy but you know things like that where not knowing what the creature really looks like put me more into it but then we get to a scene where she's in a bathtub and she's conjuring this demon. And there, it's, it's a really effective scene where she's like slowly conjuring the demon and slowly things are happening around her. These, uh, there's like flickering in the, the, the lighting, some of the candles that she has around the bathtub uh, you know, come off. And then the demon who was clearly not in the room before flicks water at her. 
and you see the fear knowing that the demon's right in front of her, but she doesn't want to look at it right away. She's like slowly turning her head. And then I thought that was such an effective scare scene. But then you see this goofy ass demon on the yeah. other side with this big smile. And he kind of looks like just a weird man. Yeah. It took me out of it a little bit. You know, it's just, yeah. I think at that point we had seen too much of the demon. And I wish they'd kept it to like really quick scenes like that plays out scene. And like a scene later on where you actually see the full body demon. Uh, Stephen yeah, McCaddy yep. uh, yeah, uh, is like sitting in a chair in the middle of daylight and he's talking to the girl and you see him just in the back corner for like a second and I thought that was effective but seeing that one goofy bathtub scene was just like ugh, I don't know yeah I actually 100% agree with you there on on that Steve um yeah because I, I I yeah you know what you're changing my mind a little bit I, I I don't think we need to see more of him uh because I do agree I think that was probably the the worst part of the movie like just like that like when you see Z in like the that form like it is pretty lame and uh kind of reminded me of just kind of like you know just like really bad cheesy horror movies so uh, I'm right there with you on that yeah and that was my big I think in this case less was more uh like he you know he talks about in the interview there's that really cool kind of drawing of the demon so that gives you an idea of what the demon looks like and that i thought was enough with the quick flashes from some of the other scenes but when we saw him too much that's where it lost me so sam i actually think uh you would appreciate a part in the interview because i remember when you saw the drawing you're like there's no way an eight-year-old boy would do that <laughs> yeah he actually mentions that in the interview that he was he didn't want to use that because he said there was no way a child could draw that. But uh, he said basically due to uh, like time and budgetary reasons stuff, people thought it looked really cool. So he just kind of went with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, another scene I want to talk about is, and we talked about an interview as well. So uh, and it was one of the most effective scares in the film. And I think Joe brought it up in the interview. There's a scene where uh, the boy, he has no friends left and his mom really wants him to have a play date because she feels bad for the kid and he needs to kind of have real friends as opposed to Z as a fake friend. So she brings him over to this, uh, this like woman's house. And <laughs> so she just brings him over there. And the, the mom's like, you know, he's like, oh, where's you know my friend Billy or whatever? I forget what his name is. And she's like, oh, he's, he's upstairs, but he's sleeping. I don't want you to bother him. He's like, okay. And then he runs upstairs. And she's like super worried. I guess the kid had told him that you know, this kid is crazy and she, he didn't want to hang out with him. But then the two moms have a serious conversation about something. And you kind of forget that the kid went upstairs. And all of a sudden, you see a kid drop from the second story. And his back like hits the... Um, like the guardrail and then flips over it's just <laughs> super disgusting like thump oh my yeah. god uh so effective it's such a good very scene. even the second time i was like oh that's crazy <laughs> yeah no it's i think it's probably the most like the best scene in the whole movie just because like it came out of absolutely nowhere and you're right you just kind of forget that like he those kids are even in the scene because like you know the two moms are talking and you're just kind of into that and then that happened and it's like a really just like holy shit moment um super disturbing super effective and uh yeah that that was 
just an awesome, awesome scene. And not intended that we found out in the interview. Right. They actually, they actually had another idea, which was he was just going to fall and kind of you'd see him fall into the ground. But I actually think it was more effective by seeing him kind of hit the guardrail. And yeah. So sometimes there's things because of budgetary reasons that become happy accidents. And yep. he explains as to why that happened. It's a really interesting point. But yeah, that was a definitely happy accident there. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. I also, so that scene I thought was great. And then another scene I brought up in the interview, which I thought was great, was um, when the father sees the uh, drawing of Z and then uh, all of a sudden all the toy cars and stuff start going off and you get the, uh, you know, it's the room gets dark and all the lights are just like flashing. You get the red lights and the blue lights and everything just flashing. And then, you know, you see Z, the lights start flashing on Z and then he finally kind of jumps out there. I, I thought that scene was was great, built the tension great. And uh, I really like that scene as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, Brendan Christensen is great at creating tension in his scenes. Yeah. Uh, and really building up the tension. And uh, it's it's really evident in a scene like that. And the bathtub scene up until the reveal. Right. I thought was really well paced until that one reveal that kind of ruined the whole, the whole thing. But yeah. Yeah, which is um, why I think he, I was saying, I think he's a good up and coming director because uh, watching Stillborn recently, um, you know, I watched Stillborn right uh, before I watched Z. And I, uh, I think the scares in Stillborn are just as effective. And I actually was saying um, before we came on the air tonight that I actually think I prefer Stillborn to Z. I think they're both really good movies i i enjoy them both i just think um stillborn it's a little more my speed uh, i guess you could say i think it's um a little more clever and um just has uh a lot of really creepy uh i I just found it more creepy and good but i both really good movies i'm on i'm really excited to see what he does next he's a a young up-and-coming director that i think um really knows how to um craft a scare very well so uh i know he talked about his new movie that he's going to be coming out next that sounds really interesting so yeah we'll see uh, do you, any of you have another point before we get to the ending that i want to discuss uh, kind of what happened in there yeah anything uh sam you got anything else before i get to the ending uh, what did you guys think about her sister and her husband her sister and her husband just in general like uh, as characters yes like if you were her husband would you be so blind to what's going on and not give a damn well i don't think he didn't give a damn i think he was just i think he he really played the role of what a normal person would react to in this way like at first it's funny and it's he's kind of playing around with it but then it becomes annoying and then it becomes a little bit too much and i think he plays kind of the a grounded character in this story. Uh, as far as the sister, there's this whole s- having an affair. That's why he didn't care. But what do I know? What? Whoa, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, that comes out of nowhere. Where, where did that come from? <laughs> just kidding. God, just throwing his name in the yeah, dirt. His name in the mud. Yeah. Um, as far as the sister character, so there's this whole subplot of uh, the like the mom's mother, so the grandmother. Uh, like being on her deathbed inside the house 
yeah and uh the sister not wanting to see her and the the grandmother is kind of like sad that she's not getting visited by her other daughter but the other one just doesn't want to see her that way so she doesn't remember her that way uh but i find that that subplot really goes nowhere it does Um, yeah i i agree like i i just didn't find i it was like missing something right like it just sister subplot or the mom dying the whole like that that whole subplot i thought was just kind of well see that's where sorry to cut you off joe that's where i kind of was talking about how when something traumatic happens to you you think of some like something another memory can like spark and it brings notice and you're like oh wow only because like when I lost my mom that happened to me and so that's why I feel like that's what happened to her like it sparked it because it didn't really Z wasn't a thing until after her mom's passing so I feel like her facing that trauma something else um kind of had a match lit to it that's my opinion but did Z not start coming out until after the mother died? No, I mean, was, not back out. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, like I, like, I understand, like, what he was, I guess, trying to go for. I just felt like it, like, it seemed a little out of place, like, with the rest of the movie, where, like, it just, like, uh, it, it didn't, it was, like, there for dramatic effect, I guess. I just felt like it was a little, like, it just... Like Steve said, it kind of just didn't go anywhere for me. Yeah, yeah, which it didn't like, you know, I don't knock it too much for that, but it was kind of just, in my opinion, wasted space because it didn't have the punchline to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see, at least, and maybe someone can like, you know, correct us, but to me, I don't see where it affected anything that happened after it because all that happens pretty early in the movie. And then once she passes away, other than them going through her stuff and finding the tape that shows that uh, the mom also had an imaginary friend called Z, if that was the only reason for all that to happen, I think they could have cut, cut it down to something a lot simpler than that. Um, but yeah, I just didn't see the point to it. Yeah, I mean, well, cause, like I'm thinking of like going to like, I don't want to go into the very, very ending yet, but I mean, I guess you can kind of see some uh, similarities between like her taking care of her mom and like what you happened. You might as well get into it now. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah go, just go, go ahead. to the ending. No, go ahead. So, uh, all right. So basically, what happens is the um, mother uh, decides to basically uh, by to save her son. She basically you know, tell Z, I will, you know, I, I guess Z basically wants to be with her, wants to marry her, I guess you could say. Um, so basically what she does is she goes back to her childhood home, um, boards herself in the house, and basically starts living with Z, who um, it, it basically turns into uh, what it reminded me of was a super like abusive relationship, like uh, a woman just in a super abusive relationship, uh, afraid of basically her own shadow, afraid every time like Z is around her. Um, and yeah, basically Z is just kind of, uh, you know, has, you know, claimed her uh, essentially. And uh, yeah, so then, you know, you have the uh, Stephen McCaddy's character, the 
uh, psychiatrist trying to, um, you know, save her as well during this part. Um, and the sister, uh, the son goes to live with uh, her sister. Uh, and basically we have Z who escapes at one point and tries to, uh, you know, take her son. And in order to save her son, um, you know, she knows that basically she's the one that created Z. It's basically all in her, her head is what, you know, the psychiatrist is telling her. So in order to uh, save her son from Z, she decides the only way out and to stop Z is to kill herself. Um, so she does, she ends up hanging herself, but does survive. Um, and yeah, um, you know, and we kind of, the movie kind of ends with, uh, her sister kind of taking care of her. She's kind of in a uh, comatose state now. And um, the son is alive and well. And is Z still around? We don't really know. Um, is this movie all a metaphor for um, mental disease? Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's mental illness. That's my take on it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So c- counterpoint to what you said, Joe, and I'm just thinking out loud here, so I could sure. be totally, you know, out of left field here. It was Z her creation because her father hung himself too. Did he hang himself because he was trying to stop Z going into his daughter? Like she's trying to do for her son. We, I mean, so yeah, I mean, it's very like, uh, open for interpretation but I am assuming that the father had mental illness and he basically passed it on you know a men- mental illness can be hereditary obviously so perhaps it's just like a passed on thing and Z is the um, you know uh, kind of metaphor for that right so similar to I guess the relic was for was it dementia Yes, and possibly Z, um, you know, uh, stalking her son now is kind of mental illness, like slowly kind of creeping into him, I guess, in a way. Right. No, no, that, 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 that definitely makes sense uh, if you're using it as a metaphor. Uh, but then mm-hmm. if, you, if you're not using it as a metaphor, I'm wondering how long has Z been around? Like how many generations right. has Z been kind of haunting this family? Um, yep i guess we'll never know but um yeah it's also interesting that she does live and then the kids still i mean we know that he acknowledges he at the very least because when he's doing his little like night count at the end of the film he says he as part of the people that he's saying good night to so right but he was saying like so i at one point in the movie too he was saying good night and she's like you don't have to say you know she's like they're dead now you don't have to say good night to them and he's like but they're still like a part of you or whatever so yeah he's talking I mean, about the hamster i think right right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah i mean I, it's an interesting movie for sure like and i think that's when this where this movie kind of shines is where you have like these kind of thought-provoking um you know moments uh you know because i think if it was just you know z terrorizing the boy and stuff it would it'd probably be you know like a five type movie for me or something but uh throwing in this kind of mental illness stuff i think definitely brings a interesting uh you know different thing to the movie and uh that's what uh, really made me enjoy it more 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it was definitely one of those twists that uh, changed the movie around to make it unique as opposed to being a kind of cookie cutter story mm-hmm. that we've seen before. And it, it was the same thing when we reviewed Ghost of War, where it seemed to be one type of movie and all of a sudden something changes and it's a totally different type of movie. And I like that, you know, it just, it changes, uh, it just makes it everything different and unique. And that's why I liked about this film. And that's why I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it both times. I really did. Uh, just yeah. once you know the twist, it's a little less enjoyable the second time, unfortunately, but, uh, which actually, sure. actually, I'm going to ask you a question as a, you know, as a podcast who does top tens, is it fair to review a film as like you've seen it twice as opposed to the ones you've only seen once because if i watched all the movies twice maybe my top 10 would be different than yes. watching all the movies once right yeah no it's it's i was actually thinking that while we were uh, reviewing that i think that's a good argument and like a good thing like you know is a movie like if you just watch a movie once and like you loved it and stuff like that is it fair to go back and watch it a second time and completely like change your thoughts and opinions on it i mean and i think it is like i you know i mean sure like things are going to change on a second watch but there are movies i've watched a second time and my rating has gone up so i mean i think it is fair um but as far as when making our top 10 list that's a tough decision but i think you know uh it is what it is if you watch a movie two times and it's changed you know yeah because my original thought was to only re-review movies that i didn't like that i feel that Mm -hmm. i need to give a second shot uh like hansel and gretel and the lodge and the relic which i think i would like more the second time just because once i really understood the themes i think it'd be more enjoyable the second time um, I don't know. It's just uh, it's just one of those things, I guess. I'll have to think about it when I make my top ten. But it's a question I was pondering, like, how do I, you know, like it kind of got knocked down three, four spots, yeah, uh, by re by re reviewing it, where it would have been in my top ten before, and now it would just just get knocked off. Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess I'll have to decide. But that's my yeah I guess my I, problem. <laughs> I know I'm right there with you, Steve, because this movie was in my top ten. Um, on the first watch but now re-watching it this time it's dropped off my top 10 um but yeah still a good movie but it is a definitely interesting uh thing because there's some movies in there that i probably won't get around to watching a second time that perhaps would have dropped off too or maybe it would have bumped this back up into my top 10 so uh it, it's definitely an interesting uh thing to think about but it is what it is <laughs> um before we get into our ratings i guess um actually let's rate first and then i'll give you todd's uh rating all right cool actually i'm also curious uh, joe when you say your rating what did you rate it originally and what do you rate compared to what you rate it now okay um sam you want to start us off uh um i'm gonna go with a seven a seven all righty seven all right uh for me um so on a first watch i would have given this an eight um but after watching it a second time um i started seeing uh more of its faults and whatnot and um well i I definitely enjoyed it and i would definitely um recommend it um on this watch i i I dropped it down to a seven all right and i'm close to that uh so i also had it as an eight the first time uh that i watched it 
but upon second viewing, I'd bring it down just a bit to 7.5. It still had some of the most effective scares I've seen this year. I mean, between this, you know, host, his house, and uh, The Dark and the Wicked as the scariest films I've seen this year. And I'm definitely going to remember this film, you know, for, for a while. So it definitely had an impact on me. But second time, you see different things and you kind of judge it for different things. And 7.5, I think, is a good score anyway. And I'd still rec definitely recommend it for people to watch it. Uh, it's a good movie. So check it out. It's on Shutter, So easy access. Yeah. And uh, for Stillborn, I'm, I'd give Stillborn a 7.5, which was his um, directorial debut. And uh, I would definitely recommend um, checking that one out. For, honestly, I think I'd watch that one first and then go and watch Z if you can. Um, but yeah, and he also talked about doing a uh, kind of a trilogy that he, what would he call it? Like a mama trilogy or something like that? Mama something trilogy, yeah. Yeah, mama drama trilogy. Mama drama, like that's that. it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, which I would like to see, because these, I, honestly, this and Z are really good uh, companion pieces. Uh, and then Todd, um, he said he liked the movie a lot, and he gives it a 7.75. So yeah, I think so he comes in, Todd comes in the highest. Yeah, I wonder that. if you watch, watch it twice or just once. Um, I think he may have just watched once, it right? twice, but I'm not 100% on that. We'll have to ask him next week. Yeah, we'll have to ask. But um, we're all in the same ballpark, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would, Horror Squad approved for, for sure. sure. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for listening this week. Don't forget to uh, stay tuned for our interview with the director of Z, Brandon Christensen. And uh, bye. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, where tonight we are joined by a very special guest. Uh, horror fans will know him uh, for his uh, 2007 debut film, Stillborn. And tonight he is here to talk with us about his latest genre effort, Z, director Brandon Christensen. Brandon, how are you doing tonight? I'm very good. Thanks for having me. All right. Awesome. Uh, so uh, why don't you just uh, start us off with uh, telling our listeners a little bit about uh, what Z is about and uh, also uh, where you came up with the idea for it. Uh, Z is kind of a, you know, it's one of those uh, creepy kid movies, or at least on the surface, it's a creepy kid movie about a kid that has an imaginary friend that is, uh, um, you know, might not be so imaginary. And it's sort of about the parents dealing with something that they can't see or, you know, uh, how do you deal with something that you can't actually you know see or anything like that you're just sort of stuck uh getting all this information that all this bad stuff keeps happening to your child and you have no idea why so it's it's um it's kind of an interesting film it kind of builds itself as an imaginary friend tale but i feel like it's got a lot more going on under the surface um i guess uh where it came from was uh after after stillborn my first film which I had written with Colin Minahan shortly after I'd gone through the kind of baby step of my uh, of my second kid. Um, I, I you know I was I was through the baby phase and, and my older son started uh, kindergarten and that was kind of a big deal because for the first time in my wife and my life we were kind of uh, uh, allowing my kid to go off into the world Monday to Friday kind of for a full day and just sort of you know we didn't have our grips on him anymore and, and he was starting to bring home ideas and things that that we weren't fully in charge of anymore. So it was kind of a conversation with my wife, just like, you know, is there anything from this that's kind of interesting that we could talk about? And, and the idea of an imaginary friend was presented by my wife and it just sort of started this conversation of like, well, what does that mean if you've got an imaginary friend? Like, how does that affect 
um, you know, you as a family unit and stuff like that. And we started just discussing all these things and we went down this rabbit hole and uh, it just, you know, very quickly, we kind of came up with this idea of Z. Cool, cool. Uh, so I noticed, um, obviously, with this movie and also Stillborn, uh, there's a very common theme, I guess, of tragedy. Um, is is that a theme uh, you you know you plan on continuing on with with future movies? Um, I think that it's kind of a, it's kind of a writing trick to use a tragedy mm -hmm. to sort of base things around because it allows you to build empathy for the characters when you put them in a situation where. Uh, you know, a lot of people in their lives are going to go through a lot of tragic things, you know, uh, like I have, I know most people do eventually, you know, everybody dies eventually. So it's, uh, it's definitely something that can resonate with people. And so when you kind of put characters that um, are dealing with one thing, and you kind of add these stressors to them and everything, I think that's something that people can just empathize with, where they can put themselves in their shoes and be like, oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with a kid that doesn't have friends. He's, he's struggling in school and all this stuff. But at the mm -hmm. same time, I'm dealing with these personal problems. And it's just, it's hard to balance those things normally, just your personal life and your, you know, if you're a parent and your kid's life, but adding, adding on these other stress points, uh, I feel like it just sort of creates this house of cards that you're slowly, uh, you know, building and eventually it's going to collapse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, also with, you know, Z and I keep going back to Z and Stillborn because I think there are a lot of, uh, you know, similarities between the two. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, both dealing with, you know, you, you both had to, you had to deal with young actors, I guess you could say, in, in both of them. Uh, you know, how challenging is that to deal um, with uh, working with young actors? Um, with Stillborn, we, we actually scheduled the film around my brother's, uh, my, my sister-in-law's birth. So we actually, you know, that was my niece in the film. And so we, oh, wow. we were pretty lucky because uh, we weren't dealing with like a, you know, a show mom or anything like that. It was just like mm -hmm. family. Like, yeah. uh, well, te technically we were legally, uh, we, we, what we were doing was very illegal because you're supposed <laughs> to wait X amount of days before you can film with a real baby. But mm -hmm. we started far earlier than that, which is why, you know, in certain scenes that is a very fresh baby. But yeah, um, wow. You know, I mean, just like having supportive family and stuff. And it was my first feature. So having my brother or, you know, his wife on set all the time was really nice just to just to sort of have that extra, you know, comfortable face there that you can talk to. But, it, it, you know, I, I can't imagine we'd be able to do that with a normal kid because that, you know, the baby was there every day. I think it was 19 out of the 20 days we had the baby and a lot of those shoots are overnight. So um, you're trying to shoot out the baby as fast as you can and just like, OK, so here's the scene. Let's shoot the baby's side first. We'll get rid of the baby so you can take him out of take her out of the scene, and then you know continue and all that stuff. Uh, but you know, there's certain points where my brother would be there till 5 a.m. because he, you know, unfortunately we had to. We did not pay them that much money, so it was uh, that that was that was interesting. With Z, it was cool because I mean, you're writing a creepy kid movie. Uh, you know, the, the movie's gonna rest on this kid's shoulders. Like you can have a bad performance there, and it's gonna kill the whole movie. And so we we started the process of casting and we, we had such a low budget that it was kind of, uh, you know, it was something that we were definitely worried about, but we put out a, uh, a Facebook casting call just when we initially started the process, just sort of like, Hey, we're shooting in Calgary. Um, these are the roles we're looking for. We're not expecting anything from this. It's just a basic kind of a courtesy thing. Cause you never know, you might need extras, something like that. But the very first person that responded was Jet's mom 
with a headshot and like a resume and all this stuff just saying, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're putting him up for consideration of this role. And we're looking at his, his, uh, his, uh, his resume and we're just like, what the hell? This kid's in like the boy, he's in a skyscraper and, and all these things. We're just like, who is this kid? And so, um, you know, we started talking to them a little bit more and just, we had him read a couple a couple scenes and everything. And, and it was just like, like, you know, immediately we're like, oh wow, we have this kid. And so, I mean, you still have to shoot with him and we had no idea what that would be like. Uh, I, I've done a lot of commercials with kids and it's always kind of tough, but he came on set and it was, you know, he was very polished and he knew, you know, he knew how to act on set and everything like that. Cause he's, he was literally a Gerber baby. So he had been on set since he was a little kid. I mean, and now what he's doing, it's kind of all NDA, but he's working with like the biggest studio in the world, doing the biggest franchise in the world right now. Oh, wow. And it's just like, uh, you know, this, this Z was definitely like, we got him at the exact right time because he went from that onto like, you know, Hollywood. So wow. it's, um, yeah, it's pretty crazy, but, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely, uh, he's like an actor, you know, when he was on set, it wasn't like, Hey guys, the kids on set, we need to be careful, blah, blah, blah. It was just like, Oh, jets on set. He's just an actor. And so we, we were super lucky with that. It was a total fluke. Nice. Uh, so is, is the horror genre something you plan on uh, staying in or would you like to, to branch off? I mean, you seem like you're uh, a horror fan, if mm -hmm. I'm correct. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I love horror. I grew up on horror. Um, you know, I've always loved just the idea of being scared, uh, just even beyond films like my friends and I, we would go into dark places at night when we were kids just you know in sleepovers we'd go into dark alleyways and just walk the length of the alleyway and talk about you know oh man wouldn't that be scary if michael myers just popped out of that you know and, and then all of a sudden you start building up the adrenaline and you just like your your pace quickens and you're just you know you're just building each other up and just trying to be scared and so i think there's just a really cool visceral response that you can get from horror that you you can get from comedy i think if you if you find something really funny that connects with you but uh, I think, you know, horror and comedy are probably the most similar genres where they're, they're evoking a response that's, you know, almost involuntary sometimes just because yeah. of the content on the screen. Um, I, I would love to jump into comedy at some point, but for now, uh, I'm pretty happy with, uh, with horror. I just shot another horror film back in, uh, in October, actually. I'm just starting to gear up on post on that, but um, uh, I'm excited. It's, it's sort of been announced officially and everything, but it's uh, hopefully next year it'll be out. Awesome. All right. Well, we definitely look forward uh, to seeing that. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Sure. Uh, it's called Superhost. It's um, it's about a, a, a YouTube blog couple that stay at an Airbnb, and the the host of the place is a total uh, a total psychopath, and oh, will do nice. anything for a good review. It's kind of a <laughs> one part creep, one part green room kind of a thing. It's awesome. It's, it's different. It's definitely different from what I've done before. There's no moms. There's no kids or anything like that which is nice. Cool. Definitely look forward. That'll be coming out next year. You think? I think so. Yeah, I should. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of, I've started cutting it. It's just, uh, it'll be a process, but uh, hopefully, hopefully we, we have somewhere to go next year with it for sure. I think it'll be done probably in three months or so. Cool. Awesome. Uh, all right. I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Keegan Connor Tracy because uh, I thought she just gave an amazing performance mm -hmm. uh in this movie uh she really seemed to give it her all and uh just to me i i think carried this just entire movie she was just she was just amazing in it uh can you speak on your experiences with her 
Yeah. So, I mean, we, we got really lucky with her too, because she's a face that kind of everybody knows from somewhere, you know, like she's just, she's been in so many things that she's kind of been a part of, but um, she kind of took a chance on us when we reached out to her and we, we didn't have a read or anything like that. We were just like, oh, wow. Like we have this opportunity to get this actor that, uh, you know, we know her work, we're fans of her work. And so we, we gave her the offer. We sent her stillborn, we sent her the script and she was just kind of uh, I think she wanted to take it on as a challenge for herself because I don't think she gets the opportunity to really, you know, sink herself into a role like this where you can, you know, you're on screen for 95% of the time. Um, and so I think she saw it as a pretty big challenge for herself. And so it was, um, you know, it was amazing. She came on probably 10 days maybe before production. So uh, it's always interesting to just sort of have someone like that that's used to the a higher caliber of set than we have because we're in a house there's no trailers there's nothing like that you know she'll have a bedroom that she can hang out in but very quickly she just sort of um she totally embraced the indie spirit and she would just be you know hanging out with the crew and you know on the weekend she'd be going uh you know down on the river uh doing a rafting thing with some of the crew and stuff like that she just really kind of um she just became part of, you know, the family that you kind of create. Cause when you're making these films, it's such a, you know, it's a four week period of your life, but yeah. um, you're working so intimately with these people that they just become like very, uh, there's just like a special bond formed there. And I think, I think she, you know, she definitely felt that pretty quickly. So it, it was really awesome. I mean, and, and the best part was that um, the first three weeks were, were, were kind of the, the standard stuff, like the the regular horror trophy stuff with the family and, and all that stuff. But then the fourth week rolled around and that was the the last act of the film where she's she's alone and she's dealing with all this stuff. And that was really fun just because she had really dialed in the character and, and she was in a place both mentally and emotionally that she was able to kind of just go really deep with everything, um, which was really fun to watch just to, she just like went through hell and, uh, you know, she was, she was just totally game for it. You know, we got to push her really hard and, uh, and she just, uh, you know, I think she really relished that opportunity. Um, in regards to Z, I noticed a lot of the imagery reminded me of sleep paralysis. Did that phenomenon inspire you while making the film? And if not, what were your influences in regards to presenting the nightmarish scenes of this film? Um, I don't, I mean, sleep paralysis is definitely something interesting that uh, has been explored a little bit with some films, but I feel like it's probably ripe for something, uh, something else. Like I know that, uh, I can't remember what that movie is called with Jonas, Jocelyn Donahue, there's one. Um, but uh, I don't, I don't think we were necessarily inspired by that or the, you know, the act of sleep paralysis thing. I've never experienced it luckily. So it's never been something that I've had to deal with or experience that I could draw on. But uh, my, I think my brother has, and I, so he's familiar with it. I've heard him talk about it and stuff like that. But uh, I think more just, uh, I mean, with regards to Z itself, um, the biggest thing that we were kind of thinking of when, when, when writing it and just sort of designing it was um, kind of, th there's a weird balancing act where you're trying to come up with something that, um, a kid, you know, would be scary, basically, depending on the lens that you're looking at, you know, if, if I'm a parent, and I'm seeing my kid play with this tall thing, with a big smile, I think it's gonna be terrifying. But from the kid's point of view, this big smile is kind of the main feature of his face. And, you know, for a kid that, that doesn't really have that idea, like with clowns and things like that, you see them through a different lens than a kid would, because it's meant to be kind of happy and, and whatever. But when you look past that smile and you see the eyes and you see the the, the veiny skin and stuff like that, it, it just becomes kind of terrifying. So that was kind of a fine line that we had to walk. And 
you know, I think there's a new movie that just came out, Come Play. Um, I, I just sort of see the monster in that. I'm like, I don't think that's very fun looking. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just like a weird alien monster thing where yeah, I don't yeah. see why a kid would want to hang out with it. But I haven't seen the movie <laughs> yet. So that was, that was kind of the hard part. But at the end of the day, you're trying to scare. So you, you definitely want it to be kind of creepy looking. Right. And, and speaking of the monster, uh, Z, what was your inspiration behind him? Because he has a very unique look. And I found that his look kind of changed between scenes depending on the emotion that he wanted to exude to uh, the characters in that scene. So where, where like, how, how did you build that character? What influence did you have when you came up with that design uh, and all that stuff? Uh, I mean, that's always the hardest thing when you're doing an indie because you have, you know, makeup artists going, so what Z look like? And I'm not, I'm not a character artist or anything like that. So the, the question is just terrifying. I'm like, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's scary. Uh, and you have no real specifics to draw on. So, I mean, there was a lot of conversations about what it might look like. Uh, we didn't know how much we would show for starters. Like it, you do the Jaws effect thing when you're doing an indie because you don't have enough money. You don't have, you can't really show it that much because you just, you know, having a great looking monster on screen at all times is, is super expensive, unless you're going to do a big CG thing like It Chapter 2, and that looks terrible. But um, it's, uh, it's, it's always tough. So you're, you're just kind of balancing that. And we, we went through a, a few different looks, like we, we tried going the theatrical route and like looking at costumes for them. But you kind of draw more comparisons to the Babadook. And mm. that's such an iconic you know design and it is a you know it's a similar kind of film with a mom and a kid and all that stuff so we wanted to stay away from that as much as possible and at the end of the day as you just kind of with your budget you're going to go well one it's not going to be on screen much and two uh you know the, a safe play in in horror films is like tall and skinny and naked so <laughs> that was kind of part of the, the that idea but then there was the big charcoal drawing which kind of became the face of z for the film because it's probably the clearest uh, look at Z that you get in the whole film because it kind of makes an appearance a few times. Um, uh, that was actually a drawing when, when we just started production, uh, Brittany Allen, who does the score in the film, uh, she did some charcoal drawings on Stillborn and she sent that image and it was, we just sort of get really, we're like, it's tall, it's got a big smile, long hair. And then she sent us that drawing and I was just like, oh, you know, we're all like, oh wow, this is really cool. But I think it's too good for an eight year old to draw, you know? And so I was, I was kind of pushing against it. I was just like, you know, this is great. We can use this as a temp. We'll, we, we couldn't actually draw it on the wall. So that's all visual effects. But um, we can we can use this as a reference. And then maybe later we can just sort of dummy down the drawing and like make it more scribbly and stuff like that. But as we, we used it as a temp in the VFX, the more people were just like, oh, this is great. And it just sort of became Z. And so it was kind of, uh, it just sort of, it became a thing where it's just like, I didn't, I, I stopped caring that a kid definitely couldn't draw that. And it just kind of gave it more, more kind of a, uh, there was more like supernatural creepiness when you go like, how did that kid draw that? You know, it becomes just a, a little bit more of a, a mystery, I think. Yeah. And so also Z sort of takes, I guess, a human form in certain parts of the movie as well, um, mm -hmm. which I thought was extremely creepy. Um, and uh, I guess my question is, you know, did, did you want to show more of him? Or what did you want to keep it ambiguous, or was it a, a budgetary reasons of not not being able to show him more? Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely a budgetary consideration when you're when you're deciding on how much to show him. But every every time you see him in the film was scripted, 
And, uh, but you know, it was, it was more vague in the script. Like we didn't have an exact clear idea of what he was going to do. Like the bathtub scene, for instance, um, that was scripted as, uh, it was going to be like a giant water explosion. Like there wasn't going to be the little splash on the face. It was basically like, she's doing the imagine Z, imagine Z. And then all of a sudden it was just going to be this huge boom and the water was going to explode and fly everywhere. And, and he would be standing up in front of her. And it was, it was something that it was, you, you kind of just like have it on script form, but then you're thinking like, how the hell are we going to do this? And so when we were about to shoot the scene, I started to play with the idea of just doing, you know, the candles going out and then just a little splash because we've seen repeatedly that no, nothing's in there with her. So all of a sudden she gets splashed in the face and it just becomes this, uh, you know, this, this slow turn moment where she's, you know, she knows something, she feels a presence there. And then you see it for this, you know, half of a second or whatever. And that half of a second was really challenging at first. Um, uh, uh, the actor, Luke Moore, that we had, he was able to, he's, he's very, um, he's very, he can do some weird shit with his body. Like he can mm-hmm. twist his neck. He can do all these really weird, like popping out of sockets and stuff like that. And so when we filmed it, we didn't know exactly what it was going to be because it's, it's really tough to sort of nail that down when, when, like I said, I'm not a creature artist or anything like that, a designer. Um, and so he kind of was just sitting there for like five minutes going through this weird, creepy move sequence and stuff like that. So there was a lot to play with. And there was a lot of early takes where he was like breaking his neck, you know, he'd like pop his neck weird. And I thought that was cool because, you know, with the hanging stuff, it kind of looked like it was repeating that. And I thought, oh, that makes sense. It would be kind of based on what she saw as a kid. But the more we played with it, the more it was just like, well, what is a, you know, emotionally, what is Z trying to do there? And what is his, what is he thinking there? And, and it just became like, well, he's, you know, he's really excited for the first time that this girl is seeing him for the, you know, it's been 30 years or whatever. So um, we just sort of went with the most innocent, cute looking version of him as possible that, you know, as the film continues from that point gets kind of more horrifying as it goes. Yeah. Uh, I gotta say in both, uh, stillborn and this movie Z, um, you really do know how to craft a scare very well. Um, you know, mer- memorable scenes for me in uh, Stillborn is when you know the uh, the demon or whatever you want to call her, you know, snatches the baby out of the crib there. I mean, that scared right. shit out of me. And then uh, <laughs> in, in this movie. Um, I love the scene with all of the uh, the car lights coming on, all the toy lights coming on and stuff like that, just really built up that tension. Um, so my question is, uh, you know, what do you think is the most uh, important a- uh, aspect when crafting a uh, scare in your films? Um, I think time is a big part of it, just trying to stretch it as long as possible when you've got a tension scene like that. Like, um, I mean, I-, I guess it depends on what it is. Like if you're going for jarring, the stillborn one that you mentioned is good because it's you're uh that was like very it's very early in the film nothing has really happened in the film it's very slow to that point so it's it's totally unexpected and i think that works for its advantage because all of a sudden you're going from just like zero to 60 out of nowhere but on the flip side i think with the toys going off in z i think just sort of milking every last frame of that footage so that it just you know the audience is totally expecting something there's you can't really do a jump scare during that because they're already really heightened so i think you're just sort of um, you're just sort of drawing out the the tension as much as possible. Um, Quentin Tarantino talks about like when he's doing tension, he's just trying to stretch it as far as possible. And there, like there's the opening scene in Inglorious Bastards where mm-hmm. it's just basically we as an audience know there's people under the floor. There's all this stuff happening, and it's just the slowest, you know, most. Uh, uh, it's just this 
this conversation about nothing while the character on the, across from uh, Captain Landa. And we, we all, you know, in the audience, we, we're aware of this stuff that's happening. And so there's just this tension, this great tension being built up there. And he just, he just stretches it for so long until it finally snaps. And I think that's, that's a, a key thing in horror where you can really take that time and just sort of put, put the audience through hell before you kind of re release it. And, and that was the end of that sequence where, you know, he does finally see something. That was a big point of contention. That was like the last thing that we settled on on the film edit because uh you know the earlier versions you didn't see anything and then there was the reveal uh later on that showed it but um we ultimately decided just to give some sort of release there because otherwise if you don't have that release you're just really uncomfortable and you're kind of sitting there and you it, it's almost it's like a joke basically mm -hmm. horror scenes are a lot like a joke where you can have a funny kind of a gag you know that yeah. just sort of like someone falls downstairs and you're like oh that's funny but if you look at something like Arrested Development, they take their time with these things. Like they'll set up a joke 10 episodes before it actually pays off. And so when, you, when you're able to put it all together and you feel that, you know, you feel the craft that was put into it, you appreciate it a lot more. So I think, uh, I think you can do it both ways and they're both effective for different reasons, but being able to kind of set up a scare ahead of time. Uh, I mean, one in Z that I can talk about is the stair scare where, uh, you know, there you kind of, there's this, uh, the moment where the mom, the, uh, Chandra West, she kind of turns and sees Josh run upstairs. You can see on her face, like she's very uncomfortable with him up there, but yeah. then the conversation drifts into a more serious conversation with her friend and they're kind of reconciling their relationship. And so for the split, you know, for a brief moment, the mom totally forgets why she was initially worried and, you know, because she forgot and all that stuff. And we, as an audience, we kind of forget because we're drawn into their conversation. All of a sudden this thing that happens um, uh, it's not really out of nowhere because we did set it up, but you, we just sort of did some misdirection there where we're like, okay, look over here, look over here. And then bam, we're going to hit you with the left hook. And that's, uh, that's kind of a part of it too, where you can just, as I, I think it's important to be able to build on something and, you know, give the audience some sort of fair warning. Otherwise a jump scare is kind of, um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of cheap. And I think that stillborn one is pretty cheap, but it's effective. So <laughs> It was it was effective though. <laughs> yeah, it's very effective. That's because the sound is very loud. Just yeah. as like it just goes like boom and explodes yeah. your eardrums, and you're like, holy crap, what happened? So yeah, there's there's, there's different ways of doing it. Right, and I, I would say the stair scare is a good uh, you know opposite of that stillborn scare where you really it just kind of came out of nowhere, and mm -hmm. uh, it was definitely one of the more jarring and probably disturbing scenes I've seen this year. So yeah. Yeah, kudos on that one for sure. Thanks. Yeah, we, we, we got lucky on that one too because when it was written, it was written to just uh, uh, to have it fall in the background and you'd see the kid there and everything. But when we went to the, the house, because the house we shot that scene at was the neighbor of the main house that we were shooting. We just couldn't get another place. So um, we went there and we scouted it and it was just like, okay, well, we've got, you know, we've got the, the banister upstairs that we need, but the fall goes down two stories like we couldn't you couldn't have it what I wanted and how it was scripted to happen so we had to improvise and we we did a you know when we were doing the the drop test we, we had this dummy kid and we were throwing him down and it, it and it was just sort of not doing anything like it just kind of went like and just zipped through the frame so we eventually threw it at the thing and we wrapped the banister up nice to, to protect it but it just makes that thunk sound and it's it's <laughs> even when we were there we we're just like oh god that's so horrible you know we've got to we've got to keep this and so it was it was kind of fun to for a, a, something that you thought would be really effective to be 
you know, uh, changed because of the location and it actually being a lot more effective because of it. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, now what some people might not know is that you also wrote both um, Z and uh, Stillborn, which I think a lot, you know, is massive credit to you and a lot of people, you know, should, you know, know this um so um what do you find more challenging writing or directing um they're they're different i mean i i co-wrote both of these with colin minahan and you know he was especially on stillborn he was hugely influential and in, in sort of pushing it across because it's you know it's it's easy to write like 25 pages and come up with a cool concept but then you have to evolve the story and build on it and stuff like that and colin was really good at at sort of helping get through that process so stillborn we we spent a lot of time, uh, or, or sorry, we didn't spend a lot of time writing that one. It, it came together very quickly, but there was a good collaboration there. Um, on Z, I actually wrote the first draft with my wife because it was her concept from the beginning when we had that kind of early days conversation. And then after the first draft, Colin came on board and he helped clean it. And we, we came up, you know, he helped come up with a bunch of stuff. Like the third act was, uh, was part of that next draft and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, so I mean, it, it definitely wasn't just me doing all this. I, I had a lot of help, and um, yeah. but but I did. I don't know. It's 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 tough. I mean, both things are tough, especially when you're when you're writing in India. I mean, we knew we didn't have a lot of money going into these, so a lot of the writing um, is based on that. You know, like when you're when you're trying to problem solve something, like you put a character in a corner, you're like, how can I get out of this corner? If we had more money, we could be like, oh, you know, a spaceship comes down, whatever it takes. You know, it just write this outlandish stuff. But we have to be very true to not only the concept, but the budget. So you're, you're, you know, you're, you're like, how can I solve this problem in this house, in this small space? And so um, a lot of, a lot of those kind of things happen when you're writing in India of this scale, which is, uh, which is a little bit uh, challenging just because you're, you are pretty limited in scope. Uh, otherwise it's kind of unfilmable for you. Um, mm-hmm. Directing's, directing's weird because it's, you know, a lot of it is just babysitting um you're you know you've got the script so the actors know what they're doing you just have to make sure that they're doing it the right way um and you you know the crew all knows what they're doing because they've got their you know the director of photography is telling certain people to do you're telling the the department heads but all the other work and all the work that's getting done is kind of being it's down the line from you so it's 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 a totally different thing it's um I mean, the hard part with indies too is that you're constantly changing things because you just can't do what's in the script sometimes, even when you write it small. Um, like, uh, you know, certain problems have to be addressed. My last film, uh, Superhost, that I just shot, um, because of COVID, uh, we had so much money that we had, just, like ha- 10% of our budget was spent on testing and everything like that. So when we realized we had to do that, we had to cut a ton of crew positions and, you know, uh, and, and we ended up shooting with a six-person crew, which... Wow. Um, which is absurd. And so it's, you know, everybody's doing two jobs. Like the key grip is doing slaving. Um, I'm kind of my own assistant director. So I'm like watching the clock and I'm trying to schedule the scenes and all that stuff. And it, and it was, it was super challenging because we just didn't have the manpower that we're used to where we have people kind of doing different things. Um, so it, I, I don't know, it, it's tough. I mean, it's just like, you're constantly kind of, you take this, the script, anything can go. And then as you get to production, it, it, you know, you're, there's so many things that you have to deal with that you have to change and manipulate. And you're kind of just always on your toes trying to solve problems more than anything. And then when you get to post, it's really challenging too, because that's, that's probably the longest period you spend on the film. And, um, you know, they say that, that you write a script three times, you write it when you write the script, you write it when you're shooting it, and then you write it again when you're doing the editing. And it's totally true. I mean, uh, 
the way Stillborn and, and, and Z and I'm sure Superhost too, the way they kind of change it as you go, it's, it's pretty crazy. And then when you look back at the script, you're like, oh man, I totally forgot it was supposed to be like that because it's just constantly evolving. Um, but writing's nice because there's, it's just you. I mean, it's harder because yeah. it's just you, but the, you know, the, the possibilities are kind of unlimited and it can be anything. And then when you get to the, the actual directing, it's like, it's like you're in a room writing, uh, writing a script in a typewriter and then someone comes in and chops off one of your hands and they go, and that's you directing is like trying to rewrite the script with a stub for a hand. Yeah. And then, you know, the editing, you've got no hands and you're just sort of like mashing it all together to try and write the same thing. So it's, it's, um, they're all hard in their own ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if, you know, is there like a passion project out there for you where if, you know, a studio came and threw a bunch of money at you, is there something like you would love to do or? Um, yeah, my brother wrote a book. Uh, it's uh, kind of like a 1980s uh, horror uh, film, uh, kind of like a, it's similar to Stranger Things. It's a very kind of like coming of age story about a small town, but it's not, there's no aliens or anything like that. It's just, it's a very uh, personal story that's, you know, based on our childhoods and stuff like that with, you know, some horror elements and stuff. Um, you know, I would love to turn that into like a nine episode series. We actually wrote the entire thing as a series. We, we have a nine episode script thing, nine scripted episodes. There's like 900 pages or something absurd. Um, but that would be like, you know, genie in a bottle type of situation that uh, it, it's to all those big projects are really challenging. And so it's um, that would definitely be like number one passion project if I had the chance. Because I think the story is amazing. Awesome. Uh, so I was scouring your IMDb um, before this interview, and I noticed that uh, you've done some visual effects work. Um, and two movies that came out that popped uh, out to me were uh, Bliss and VFW. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a relationship with uh, Joe Bagos, the director? Because I'm a big fan of him. Yeah, uh, I met him through VFW. I, I've known about him for a while because of Colin Minahan. Like he's been friends with him for a long time. But uh, I didn't meet Joe until uh, Overlook Film Festival in 20... When was it? I guess it was last year, 2019, when I went for the Z premiere. He was at a director's function thing, and I, I, I bumped into him because I had just done all the, the VFX for, for Bliss. And so we, I had been dealing with his editor and producer, Josh Ethier. And um, so we, we kind of just bonded over that. And it was, uh, you know, I didn't have to do that much on that film. That was a very kind of a grittier... Uh, practical film so there's a lot of just uh there, there wasn't that much there but their second their other movie vfw there was a lot more that i got brought on to do and it, it's just sort of started a uh you know a relationship there with josh and, and him and uh, you know we've kept we've kept in touch and stuff like that like josh and i are uh i, I worked on another film with josh this year called uh, the seventh day that he was an editor on with guy pierce and we finished that kind of I don't know, May or something like that. But um, yeah, VFX has been interesting. It's something that just sort of, I, I learned from my own films because I had to, because we just didn't have any yeah. money. And then, um, you know, I got brought into Bliss and that was kind of the first time I got paid to do it from someone. And uh, that led to VFW. And then it led to, uh, you know, doing that the seventh day. And I, I worked with uh, Aaron B. Koontz on The Pale Door earlier this year. And uh, I'm doing a couple more right now. Um, I don't know if I can talk about them, but they're like one's a universal film, which is cool. And uh, another is, um, I guess, yeah, I can't really say what it is, but a, another one that I'm working on right now is, uh, it's another fairly big one, but it's, uh, it's been cool. It's been fun to just sort of learn as I go and just sort of, it's a different kind of 
problem challenge or a, it, it's a different kind of like uh, process, I guess. Cause when, even just like from editing, cause I, I do all the editing on my films. Um, that's, they're just totally different vibes where, you know, even the workflow is totally different where with VFX, I can be watching something on TV and, and, you know, kind of zoning out. It's more like coding or something like that. Cause it's very, yeah. it's very small. You're clicking, you know, creating masks and doing all this stuff. It's just very, um, it's, it's not mindless, but at the same time, it kind of is because it's, it's either good or it's bad. Whereas with like editing a film, it's very, um, you know, there's so much subjectivity to it where it's like, is this good or is it bad? Is this the right edit or not? Um, I like VFX because it's just like, it's either done or it's not. Um, with, with most of the stuff that I, I'm not doing like creature does, you know, 3d stuff and stuff like that. It's much more boring, but, um, but yeah, it's been fun. It's a, it's a good skill to have, I think, especially as a director, because I can yeah. be shooting something like on Superhost. Um, there's stuff where I'm just like, I can make this work. So uh, I can't spend 30 minutes figuring it out right now because we've got no time. So it's just like, right. I can I can do this later. I'll fix this later. I hate myself for it every time, but it, it's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Brandon, I gotta say, it's been a pleasure talking with you tonight. Um, before we let you go, is there anything, uh, I know you got Superhost coming out next year, but is there anything else uh, you, you'd like to promote with us before we let you go? Um. I don't think so. There's a, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm just going to be kind of knee deep in Superhost very soon. I'm just finishing up these two projects this week and then I'll be kind of full court press on that for a while. Um, hopefully I could shoot another one next year. My brother and I wrote a uh, babysitter script, which I think is pretty cool. It's kind of like a throwback to those when a stranger calls type of thing. Um, nice. That would be fun just to uh, stay out of the kids again. Uh, you know, stay out of the mom, but I, I will eventually get back to the mom horror stuff because I need to finish my mama trauma trilogy. Yes, and, definitely. <laughs> but I, it's nice to take a little break because those are always so personal and because I'm writing based off of, you know, personal experiences. So yeah. it's, uh, it's nice to kind of go into just like, hey, what's fun? Like I, Superhost is totally different from that. It's, it's, it's a very, it's going to be really fun though, I think. Uh, it's just, it's just a totally different vibe. So it's kind of fun to kind of explore the different uh, corners of horror a little bit there awesome well when superhost comes out you're definitely welcome back on the show we'd love to have you on to, to chat that as well okay. and uh everyone else make sure to go check out z um which uh, is that is that on shutter yet brandon uh yep it came out on mother's day this year i think it was may 15th so it's okay. been out yeah it's out there for you all right awesome awesome um, perfect thank you so much brandon thank you very cool. much it was great thanks guys it was fun all right. Talk All to you right. later. Talks. Yeah. See you guys. See?